0: Hello and welcome, everybody. This is Dr. Kelly for History 256. Uh, today will be our last lecture before the final. Today is going to be our last lecture before the final. I'm um, not going to really give you a study guide or anything for the final. Just know that it's going to be pretty similar to the other test. And it's going to be on May 8th. Um, the test will be open from uh, 8 a.m. to 2 p.m. You need to get two hours or so. You only have one chance to take it. Um... If you, know, if you have work or anything at the time, please contact me now. I can make accommodations before May, um, May 8th. I can't really do anything after May Alright, so everybody cool with that? Cool. Uh, today is going to be the last uh, little lecture, and it's going to be fairly short. It uh, will not be nearly as long as the other one. So I'll give you a second to go on to Moodle and get it. So yeah, uh, chaotic start to the new millennium. Uh, this is a uh, weekly world news. That's not an actual newspaper tabloid by any stretch. It was something we used to have in the um, supermarkets growing up. It's kind of funny. Uh, you know, early on, people were freaked out about Y two K. Uh, this is kind of alluding to the Y two K computer bug. Uh, the idea being that the computers wouldn't know what year it was. They might think it's nineteen hundred. Uh, wasn't really that big of a deal. Uh, aside from that. Uh, most things were pretty optimistic. Um, you know, people were pretty optimistic thought it was a continuation of the 90s. Uh, the economy is still doing pretty good. Yes, there is a little dot-com bubble that burst in late 1999. Uh, so for pretty much for most of 2000, most people are, cons- are thinking about, if you go over one slide, uh, the 2000 election. Uh, this election ends up being very close and even more controversial. Uh, the Democrats nominate Al Gore, seen there on the left. Al Gore had been Clinton's vice president, uh, he does not have that much of a platform, nor does he have Clinton's charisma. Uh, there is a sense of, you know, Gore might just try to continue the good times of Clinton, uh, never really distinguished himself very much as vice president. Meanwhile, for the Republicans, you have the guy on the right, who is George W. Bush, who is the son of Bush Senior. Uh, Bush Senior is, uh, sorry, Bush Jr., George W. Bush, also a little bit uh, unique in that he doesn't really have much of a platform either. Um... Uh, He kind of makes some basic overtures through the Christian Coalition. He is our second uh, born-again president. Uh, Jimmy Carter was considered a born-again Christian. Uh, George W. Bush was a second. Uh, That being said, though, neither guy has that much of a uh, platform. Neither one of them is running on anything too strong. Uh, The main campaign issue was what to do with the federal budget surpluses. That's about it. Uh, Ross Perot decides to sit this one out. After 1996, when Ross Perot has a fairly weak showing, he, uh, he says he's not going to run anymore, however, he thinks the Reform Party still should be around. Uh, the Reform Party goes, if you go over one slide, with Pat Buchanan. Uh, Pat Buchanan is, he actually tried to run in 1996 for the Republicans. He's very hard-line, uh, very hard-to-the-right wing conservative, uh, not a big fan of uh, immigration, things like that. Uh, He doesn't really have the charisma of Perot, who Perot doesn't even have much charisma. Uh, Buchanan actually doesn't even get the Reform Party nomination. He has a really strong fight, ironically, from the guy on the next slide. Uh, That is Donald Trump. In 2000, Donald Trump is actually trying to run for the Reform Party. Um, Trump doesn't really have that much of a platform in 2000 either. Uh, This is not like when he runs in 2016, where he has a more well-defined message. Uh, Trump in 2000s, it was pretty much, hey, I'm Donald Trump, I exist, vote from here for president. Uh, It does need to be mentioned why this seems like this could work. It's in 1998. I don't believe I have a slide for this one, but if you you Google Jesse Ventura, Minnesota, uh, Jesse Ventura was the most successful Reform Party candidate. Uh, He ran for governor of Minnesota, and he won. He is a uh, for former professional wrestler, and he was also a commentator for pro wrestling for a while. In addition, he's been an actor. Uh, Jesse Ventura was in Predator. If you remember the movie Predator, uh, the bald white guy who goes like, I ain't got time to bleed. That's, that's Jesse Ventura. Uh, Jesse Ventura wins in Minnesota on his celebrity, which granted he's like a C-list celebrity at best in this time period, but also with our foreign party message, which as you recall last class was very... You know, keep American jobs at home, a bit to the right wing of traditional Republican politics. Jesse Ventura winning made it seem like anybody could win a big elected office. The idea that, you know, maybe we could have more celebrities running and winning. As we get into the 2000s, I'm not going to talk too much about it, but the most successful one of these is actually Arnold Schwarzenegger in 2003. Uh, there's a recall election in um, California for the governor of California. And Arnold Schwarzenegger, who was at this time best known for the Terminator movies, becomes governor of California. He's actually governor of California for two terms. Yeah, Arnold Schwarzenegger. So that's kind of an undercurrent here. It's really going to come into fruition later. I mean, clearly, Donald Trump is currently president, so evidently he wins. So there's something to be said for that. Uh, The fourth person running in 2000, though, is Ralph Nader. I don't have a slide for Ralph Nader either. Uh, Ralph Nader, he's uh, with the Green Party, He's mainly known as just a um, consumer advocate. So Election Day comes, if you go over one slide, Election Day comes, and it is very close. It's a very close election. Uh, Even going into Election Day, there's really no sense about who was going to win. You know, was it going to be George W. Bush? Was it going to be Al Gore? Nobody really thought Pat Buchanan or Ralph Nader was going to win. Gore ends up winning the popular vote by the thinnest of margins. It's a very thin margin. But it's America, and popular vote doesn't matter. When it comes to Electoral College, Bush seems to have like another very, very thin Electoral College uh, win. Very thin. Uh, If you go over one side, you'll see just how thin it is, 271 to 266. However, later that night, it comes out that there have been some voting irregularities in Florida. Uh, Not really irregularities, but the state of Florida was very close. Uh, it was within a thousand votes. It was within a thousand votes in Florida, that calls for an automatic recount. Now there is also some voting irregularities in Palm Beach County, which is a fairly um, you know Democrat stronghold north of Miami. Uh, it goes more for Bush than people were expecting. Actually, it goes more for the Reform Party than people were expecting. Uh, they accuse that because of the ballot. Uh, this was the infamous butterfly ballot. Um, if you're, if you're not sure what you're looking at with the butterfly ballot, especially if you're an older person, which most people living in Palm Beach County were older, it could be a little bit confusing. So now there has to be a recount, and it's a giant cluster fudge. And I don't mean the word fudge. You know what for word I mean. Uh, both sides accuse the other of uh, cheating. As you can see from the picture of the guy looking at the election ballot, this is where we have things like you know hanging chads and dimpled chads. Uh, Y'all were not alive during this, or if you were, you were very young. Uh, Ask your parents or older siblings about hanging chads and dimpled chads. They might remember this. This goes on for a while. For about five weeks after the election, we don't know who the president is going to be. Like, I remember that being a real concern. Uh, This was, I was about 16 years old during this time period. And I remember a friend of mine in my sociology class she was able to get tickets to the inauguration, and she was like, I'm going, but I don't know who's going to be inaugurated. It was like through her, um, like one of her little youth, not youth group. It wasn't a church thing. It was like a like a youth leadership thing, like a youth ledge thing. She was able to get tickets to the inauguration, and she was like, I'm going. I don't know if it's going to be for Bush or Gore, but this goes all the way to the Supreme Court, ultimately. Ultimately, it goes to the case of Bush v. Gore. Uh, basically the Bush campaign, said that the Gore campaign was trying to undermine the election. Uh, Basically, uh, the Supreme Court decided 5-4 to that the recount should stop and that the Electoral College vote should go to George W. Bush. Uh, Gore does not protest this any further. Uh, He strongly disagrees with the court's actions, but he says in order to save the country he will step aside. So if you go over one more slide, uh, two more slides, you will see George W. Bush being sworn in. Bush comes in with no mandate. I mean, to be fair, not winning the popular vote and you know the Supreme Court, you know, deciding the election doesn't exactly give you much of a mandate. And he uh, really seems immediately overwhelmed trying to unify and govern a deeply split country. Uh, he tries to get the economy uh, stronger through tax breaks, uh, tax uh, tex- cut the taxes. Uh, mainly because he says, you know, we've had these federal surpluses. That means we're taking too much money in, uh, in taxes. We should cut taxes so the taxpayers get their, more of their own money. Uh, he really doesn't get too much of a chance to make his own way because fairly early on he is thrust into a role that no other president has had to be in for a very long time and arguably never before. Go for one slide, 9-11. Um, you are familiar with 9-11. I'm sure you weren't alive during 9-11, uh, those of us who were alive during 9/11 and were like, you know, older definitely remember this. I was a senior in high school. I remember it was my senior year, uh, third hour, and we, a student came in. and was like, hey, terrorists attacked the World Trade Center. One of the towers has already fallen down, and so whenever we turned on the TV, there was only one tower standing. Uh, it's a Tuesday in September. Some uh, Islamic terrorist, well, Islamic radical terrorist, attacking a highly coordinated attack. There's 19 attackers. Uh, the leaders from Egypt, uh, most of them are Saudis. I believe the oldest is like 30-something. The youngest is about 20. Uh, they hijack four planes, two of which hit the World Trade Center. Another one hits the Pentagon. And a fourth one was probably going to hit somewhere in D.C., possibly the Capitol or the White House. However, it gets taken down by passengers, and it crashes into a field in Pennsylvania. In the immediate impact, there is no idea who did this. I remember when this happened. I, I remember exactly when this happened, you know, senior year, third hour, uh, thinking, like, this had to have been another country. Who could this have been? I remember thinking this was too big for terrorism. Far too big for terrorism. And not like only that, this is the first time in a very long time that the U.S. mainland had been attacked. Like, the United States proper. Uh, you know, you might say Pearl Harbor. I'd say, well, Pearl Harbor was a territory. It wasn't a state yet. Uh, you could argue Pancho Villa uh, you know, whenever he starts doing his raids crossing the border, which I'd say, yeah, you might have a point with that. Uh, most historians say it's probably since the War of 1812, so 1812, 2001, that's almost 200 years that the U.S. mainland has been attacked. Not only that, it appears that partisan bickering was dead forever and everybody kind of rallied around Bush. Um, I remember, once again, I, I, was, you know, I, was, I was a senior in high school, but about a week or two after 9-11, where they had, like, the uh, Congress, all, you know, Republican and Democrat, all, all the Congress people came together on the steps of the Capitol, and they held hands and said, God bless America. And I really thought, in that time period, that partisan bickering ship was dead. Partisanship was dead. I, I was wrong. <laughs> but it stays that way for a while. Uh, once we do start getting our bearings, we figure out who attacked us. Uh, turns out it's Al-Qaeda. Al Qaeda is Arabic for the camp. It just means the camp. Uh, its leader is Osama bin Laden. Now, bin Laden has a lengthy, lengthy Cold War history. Uh, he is a he's uh, from a fairly well-to-do Saudi family. He's not from the Saudi royal family, but he's from a fairly well-to-do family in Saudi Arabia. Uh, he gets a bit more radicalized, uh, you know, a bit more fundamentalist as he goes on in life. Uh, starts out by trying to. Actually, attack the Russians in Afghanistan. Um, you know the, Muj- the the Russians had invaded Afghanistan. He starts trying to use his wealth and affluence and influence to start supplying the Muhajim regime. Um, you know, it's also during this time period that the CIA starts, you know, kind of giving Osama bin Laden some training, maybe giving him supplies with the idea of trying to help in destabilizing the Russians in Afghanistan. Very much a Cold War thing. Uh, the World Trade Center had been a long target of bin Laden's. In 1993 there is a, there is a bombing at the World Trade Center. A couple people die. It's a truck bomb. Uh, it was done with people with affiliation with bin Laden. Uh, bin Laden's kind of like a mafia boss in the sense that he very rarely does these things himself. He just facilitates other people doing it. You know, he, he helps with money and supplies and stuff so other people can make these attacks. Now, bin Laden, at this time, was being uh, sheltered in Afghanistan by the Taliban. Uh, the Taliban, it's Arabic, it means students, roughly. Uh, students are, you know, those who learn. I think those who learn is, be- is a better uh, definition than students. Uh, they had taken over Afghanistan after the Russians left. The Russians eventually do leave Afghanistan, There's a power vacuum. Um, Elements of the Muhajim, it's not the same thing as the Muhajim, but elements of it later become to form the Taliban, and they are giving bin Laden safe haven. Uh, Bin Laden is not a member of the Taliban. The Taliban is like the government of Afghanistan in this time period. However, uh, bin Laden is getting haven from the Taliban. Now, in the aftermath of all this, Bush announces a war on terror to rid the world of terrorism. Go on one slide, you will see. There he is, uh, you know, with his war on terror stuff. Uh, for instance, almost immediately, once we figure out that it was Bin Laden who do it, he immediately gives an ultimatum to the Taliban. Give a Bin Laden or we're going to invade. Uh, the Taliban refuses. The U.S. invades Afghanistan. And we are still there. Uh, that is actually the longest war in U.S. history. It's been going on 19 years now. It's been, 19, well, 18 and a half years since the U.S. has been in Afghanistan. That is our longest war, uh, bar none. Uh, it, it's crazy. I mean, you could very easily have soldiers in Afghanistan now who weren't even born whenever the war started. Now, the Taliban does fold rather quickly. However, uh, bin Laden's not there. You know, once they do all the bombings, they discover that uh, whenever the U.S. does its air raids, air bombings, they discover that uh, you know, Bin Laden has fled. Uh, eventually he flees for uh, Pakistan. Uh, that's actually ultimately where he's killed. I don't know if we're going to cover that in this class. And the U.S. has left trying to govern Afghanistan. And trying to hold it together, it's never a very easy task. Uh, domestically, the Patriot Act is passed. Uh, actually, That's actually what Bush is doing there. Um, he's signing the Patriot Act. It expands federal wiretapping. Power, as well as uh, limiting some civil liberties, and also allowing torture in order to have um, interrogations to get information from you know suspected terrorists. Uh, this greatly expands like wiretapping and stuff without a warrant or without people's knowledge, even against U.S. citizens, which is uh, some people say it's a slide against civil liberties. And additionally, he opens up Guantanamo Bay, which is uh, the one part of Cuba the US was able to keep after you know, Castro took over, to be a prison for terrorists. He also, during one of his states of the Union, says that uh, there are certain governments that are, fun, uh, that are funding terrorism. Uh, he, he labels these governments the axis of evil. He says there are certain governments which are financing terrorism and labels them as the axis of evil. Uh, The axis of evil is North Korea, Iran, and Iraq. Uh, North Korea, it's Kim Jong-il at this time period, Uh, Iran, the U.S. has a lengthy history with Iran, and Iraq, which actually got some people as a little surprising. Um, Despite the loss, if you go over one more slide, despite the loss in the first desert storm, uh, Saddam Hussein was still in charge of Iraq. Now, he is accused of using chemical weapons against the Kurds, which he does, but also of having what is labeled weapons of mass destruction. Uh, Weapons of mass destruction are things like, you know, uh, nuclear bombs, uh, more powerful bombs, these sort of thing. Uh, This is actually how Bush is able to get the justification for war. He's able to get Colin Powell to go to the UN. Colin Powell is a very well-respected he was a for, uh, head of the Joint Chiefs of Staff. He is Bush's Secretary of State. He goes to the U.N. and says, "Hey, we've got all this evidence of Saddam Hussein trying to make weapons of mass destruction. We got the evidence. We need to get rid of them." And so Bush gives an ultimatum to Saddam Hussein: basically, you and your sons, uh, Uday and Qusay, are the two sons of Hussein, uh, leave within forty-eight hours, or we're going to uh, invade. So it's kind of a two-pronged thing. Uh, you know, the U.S. is giving. Saddam Hussein 40 hours to get out but we're also trying to get the UN's backing a coalition of other countries like we got in the first Persian Gulf War uh, Saddam refuses and actually there's not a lot of international support for this one uh, Germany and France most notably decide to sit this one out uh, Britain's only US ally big major US ally who says okay we're going to go into war with Iraq with you um France was saying the U.S. was too aggressive. Uh, France is one of the U.S.'s oldest allies. Generally, the France and U.S. are on the same page for wars and stuff. However, France says no. This is what causes the Freedom Fry craze, I guess you would say, of like 2003 or so. Uh, There's about a year period where we don't have French fries in the U.S., or some people say we don't have French fries. We have Freedom Fries instead. Uh, The war itself is pretty short, uh, it's about six weeks, uh, basically. We go in, we uh, you know, from, from the initial invasion to getting rid of Saddam Hussein takes about six weeks. However, it's not all hunky-dory. It's not all hunky-dory because Saddam Hussein does go away. And uh, he's in hiding for several months. Uh, his sons, indeed, were killed, though. His sons were killed uh, July twenty second, 2004. The only note reason I remember that Is because that was my birthday, and no, no, sorry, two thousand three, two thousand three. They were killed fairly early because I remember we were at a restaurant. They're like, "Hey, Uday and Qusay Hussein were killed," and they showed the pictures of the corpses. And I was like, "That's not something you want to look at during your birthday lunch." Uh, After Saddam Hussein was deposed, uh, Bush goes onto an aircraft carrier with the banner that says "Mission Accomplished," saying, "Hey, the war in Iraq is over." Uh, Problem is, no weapon of mass destruction were ever found. In addition, rebuilding the government was incredibly difficult. I can't really get into all this because we don't have a ton of time, but Saddam Hussein was pretty much the only thing holding Iraq together, because Iraq is like a country the British made up by putting three groups of people who really hate each other into one country. And so even after Saddam Hussein was captured and ultimately Saddam Hussein was executed, uh, Iraq has serious problems in coming together. Now, to try to keep the country together, the U.S. government starts spending tons of money. uh, Tons of money, faster at a rate, even faster than what Johnson used in Vietnam. So even though the war in Iraq was quote-unquote finished, they're using tons of money. Plus, uh, the Taliban had actually reorganized in Afghanistan. And uh, despite the best efforts of the Patriot Act, uh, terrorism had not gone away. And in the midst of this, uh, there is an election in 2004... Uh, George Bush is able to win, mainly because there's a fairly weak Democratic challenger. Also, there is a war going on, and most of the time, Americans don't go against a president during wartime. Uh, And also, Bush gets the popular vote this time around. Even though Bush wins re-election, he's still not very popular. He still does not get that full mandate. Uh, There is a brief time period after 9-11 where Bush gets a 95% approval rating. That's the highest approval rating any president's ever happened. However, that is not very long-lasting. After the Iraq war and stuff, Bush's popularity starts to wane. And his second term is kind of a... not a lot of good things happen. Uh, For instance, Hurricane Katrina happens. Uh, If you go over one side, you'll see Hurricane Katrina. Uh, That's a total quagmire. Uh, Hurricane Katrina, y'all might have been too young for Katrina, but I'm assuming y'all were alive during Katrina. It's bad. Uh, Hurricane Katrina hits the, you know, around New Orleans and actually hits uh, Gulfport, uh, Gulf Shores, not Gulf Shores, Ocean Springs, uh, Waveland, Mississippi. However, New Orleans, the levees break, there's a major flood, thousands of people die. Uh, FEMA seems poorly managed. And there's also a perception that too many resources are being sent to Iraq and Afghanistan, which would have be- been best be sent to Louisiana. Uh, Meanwhile, in order to make Iraq seem more stable or get more stable, Bush has what's called a troop surge. He increases the number of troops into Iraq even though the war is over. Uh, It does make the region a little bit more stable, however, it does cost uh, more American lives. Uh, Only 250 Americans are killed in the actual quote unquote Iraq War, the second Iraq War, but over 4,000 are killed in keeping the peace. And it's an incredibly costly war. And then in time, most Americans feel the invasion was a mistake despite initially high support. Uh, Even within the Republican Party, for instance, Donald Trump, who's a Republican president, uh, during the 2016 campaign, he said we should have never gone into Iraq, which is something that most Republicans supported when it happened. If you you go over one more slide, to make matters even worse, the economy finally really tanks. Uh, The housing market starts crashing in 2007, and by the beginning of 2008, we have what's called the Great Recession. Uh, This is the second worst economic time period in U.S. history behind the Great Depression. Uh, Of course, we're in something now, which we don't know how it's going to be. Hopefully this coronavirus uh, economic downturn isn't too long-lasting, but we'll see what happens. Uh, It lasts for a while, and Bush leaves the White House with a country real divided and not a lot of popular support. And we're going to end in 2008. We're going to end in 2008 because that's about 10 years before this class started also, I mean, I could go further but it'd just be more stuff on the test and who wants that Um, even though the economy is in the toilet it's election time Uh, it's it's actually kind of unique because generally if you have a two-term president the vice president is going to run that doesn't happen in 2008 Um, Dick Cheney, who is Bush's vice president is actually more unpopular than Bush so there's really no logical candidate for the Republicans. Uh, who ends up getting it is John McCain. If you go over one side, you'll see John McCain on the right. He's not exceptionally conservative. He's known as a maverick. He's known as a kind of a moderate guy. Uh, in order to balance the ticket and make it to make it more uh, appealing to like hard right conservative Republicans, uh, Sarah Palin, who is a governor of Alaska, is picked as his running mate. This is also the second time that a major party has had a female vice presidential candidate, uh, the first time being Geraldine Ferreira in '84. Now, the Democrats seem to have a a pretty easy election on their hands. Uh, The thinking was that uh, Hillary Clinton would become the nominee. Uh, She was Bill Clinton's wife. She had been uh, a senator from New York uh, after 2000. Uh, she is a presumptive nominee however she does have some baggage from her husband's term Um, what actually happens in 2004 uh, during the John Kerry election at the DNC a guy running for Senate from Illinois gives a speech uh, Barack Obama kind of gets on the national radar for the first time and Obama comes into public awareness very akin to Reagan in that way Uh, Ronald Reagan gets first attention in 1964 when he gives a speech to the RNC uh, Barack Obama comes to most national attention in 2004. So, 64-2004. Uh, Barack Obama has a lot of youthful energy. He has a personal enough color. There, there is a fairly contentious uh, primary between Hillary Clinton and Obama. Uh, I remember this is, this is definitely a, a relic from 2008. was on the Monday Night Ra- Wrestling show. What is that? Monday Night Raw, I think. Uh, WWE they had impersonators of the major candidates uh, fight each other and so there is a <laughs> a wrestling match between an obama lookalike and a hillary lookalike which i have a picture of which is just kind of hilarious uh, however obama does get the nomination uh, he's a person of color he's the first major person uh, sorry he's the first major person of color he's the first person of color to be a presidential candidate from a major party Uh, There really is no third party challenge in this election. Uh, It's a fairly clean election, too, as far as mudslinging goes. Um, It also appears that Reagan style conservatism is dead because Obama is able to get a very large coalition of blue collar voters who used to be um, Reagan voters. In addition, it's uh, kind of. You need to be aware that McCain never really sets the Christian coalition on fire. Uh, the evangelical vote never feels very comfortable with McCain. Uh, if you want to go on a little bit in history, the evangelical vote never feels too comfortable with uh, Mitt Romney in 2012. Uh, Donald Trump, however, gets very comfortable with the evangelical vote, and that's one of the reasons why he wins in 2016. Uh, Obama does end up winning. It's a fairly easy victory for Obama. As you see on the final slide, there he is celebrating. Uh, despite a two a huge recession and two very unpopular wars, Obama comes in with a, into the White House with a general sense of optimism. Um, his campaign slogan of hope and change is generic enough to win. Uh, is it long-lasting? Um, well, that's the point of history where we get too close to the president to do much good. I will say that Obama, despite a uh, lot of his youthful energy, doesn't really change too, too much as president. I mean, most presidents don't change too much. But for instance, uh, he promises to close Guantanamo Bay that never happens. Uh, the other thing that starts happening in 2008 is kind of the rise of social media. Uh, the iPhone comes out in 2008. Facebook opens up to non-college users in 2007. Twitter comes about in 2007. So once we get into 2016 and 2012 uh, and actually 2008, it's a very different type of election. And I, I would say there seems to be a growing divide of the United States, which has kind of been around since Reagan, was becoming deeper and deeper. And it kind of results in our current political situation. Now, can this be fixed? Honestly, that's the point where history becomes current events. And that's honestly where I put it up to you, you know? We've talked in this class about how America made it from Reconstruction to Present and what other people did, you know, what my generation did, what my parents' generation did. But now we're getting to your generation. And I really hope you take this as kind of a challenge to, you know, it's your America. It's your history. Do the best you can. So, with that, this is Dr. Tully signing off for the last time. Uh, remember, your final is going to be on May 8th, so it's going to be Friday. So, I'll post this fairly early. With that, Dr. Tully signing off. Have a good one.